Hey, what's up? We're Brave Youth, a youth movement happening all across Miami, starting at our home, Brave Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We can't wait to see how God's going to use it to change your life. Enjoy the message. Man, I want to. I'm sure that China, they made it to the Olympics. The Olympics is like the furthest you can get in athleticism. They wanted to win the gold for their country. They made it to the Olympics. There was some kind of miscommunication. She looked back to make sure the baton landed in her hand and she dropped the baton. They tried three times, guys. We saw them three times try to go back, get the baton, go back, get the baton. We have the baton. Oh, wait, I have to run back. Oh, my God, a disaster. Man, that was an epic fail. And I was just thinking, wow, how many times do we do that in life? I was, I was reading up on this race because I got kind of curious. I was like, okay, what is this race? The four by 100 relay. And I read this online. It says, the ability to pass the baton well is especially crucial in the shorter event where each runner covers 100 meters. Many races have been won or lost by the quality of baton passing. Man, in baton passing, in this race, what I read is that you are never supposed to look back. You're never supposed to look back. And I would have thought, if I look back, then I have a good view of how to catch it. I'm in control still. I can see where my hand's going. I can see how I catch it. I can see where where my teammate is. I can catch it because I'm looking back. But actually, you're supposed to look forward and trust that the person that's releasing it to you is going to land it in your hand. And man, I thought, man, isn't this a picture of our life with Christ, man? We're running, we're looking forward, and we look back and we drop what he was trying to hand to us. And man, when you drop the baton in these races, the sad part is you're not the only one that loses the race. Your partner loses too. And your partner worked hard to get to the Olympics too. And they weren't expecting you to drop the baton. They were counting on you to catch it. When you're running these races and you drop the baton because you look back, you're not the only person impacted. The generation behind you is impacted too. We serve a God that is constantly calling us to run faster, run stronger, run harder, run longer, and to look forward without looking back so that we can catch everything he wants to release to us. But when we look back, we drop the baton and we drop our purpose. This message isn't to discourage you tonight because we're going to dive into this a little bit more. Maybe you're thinking, dang, I can think of like five ways I dropped the baton today only. It's not a big deal, but this is a call to action. It's just a rejog of your memory, just a little push to remember, hey, let's look forward and not, let's not turn back. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. We're excited to be in this room. We're filled with faith, God. We pray that you would remove distractions, God. Lord, I pray that you would remove me from the equation tonight, that you would speak exactly what you want to every single heart in this room tonight. God, I pray that we would run our race, that we would stand firm, God, to receive the prize you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you guys know that when you get saved, it's not just for yourself? It's to save other people. And something that stuck out to me about this race is that you receive the baton, right? You get it. So that you could pass it to the next person. 
But to me, I'm the kind of person where once I get something, it's mine, it's not coming back to you, it's not going to the person in front or behind, this is mine. But this whole race is so selfless. We both make it to the Olympics, we both win the race, but only one person kind of gets the glory. And I believe that God is the same way, man. When we get filled with the Holy Spirit, when we get that power, that power is not just for ourselves; it's to receive and to pass to the person behind us. Man, when we get saved, when we encounter God, maybe at camp this summer or at a retreat or even on a Sunday, maybe it's your first time ever in church and you're like, wow, I feel something different in this place right now. That's not for you to keep. It's for you to experience, apply it to your life, take notes, and then release it to the person behind you. It's a receive and it's a pass. It's a receive and it's a pass. But we live in a generation that wants to receive and hold on. Tonight, we're going to break that mentality. We're a part of a greater race that doesn't just involve all our destinies, but the destinies of the next generation. So the title for tonight's message is simple, pass it on. Pass it on. We'll put a little asterisk. Don't miss the handoff. We're talking about the handoff tonight. I believe that when you release what you have, God doubles what you thought you lost. When you release what you have, God doubles what you thought you lost. God's not asking you to give away what he gave you, but to surrender it for his glory. Say, don't miss the handoff. Don't miss. Let's try one more time. (laughs) Say, don't miss the handoff or else you'll be like China. What's my baton? Maybe you're saying, okay, B, what is my baton? I don't know what that means. I'm kind of confused. Your baton is your gifting. Your baton is your talent. Your baton is your creativity. Your baton is your leadership. Your baton is your relationship with Jesus. Simply put, your baton is your obedience. Your baton is your yes. Your baton is your yes, your yes, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you want for me. I say yes. I'm going to take what you're giving me, and I'm going to release it to someone else. I believe there's three ways that we pass on our faith to the next generation, three reminders. So we're going to dive into that tonight, three reminders for you to release your faith to the next generation to make sure that we have a smooth handoff from your generation to the next. Amen? All right. First thing, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. This isn't an individual sprint. It's an eternal relay. This isn't an individual sprint. It's an eternal relay. Others have run before us. Others are coming after us. And if we forget, no one's coming after us. When we know we're not the only ones in this race, surrender isn't so hard. I want to tell you a story. I wasn't planning on telling it, but I'll tell it to you. Um, I used to really want to be in acting. I don't know why. It's so random. I wanted to do it. Maybe somebody told me one time you should act, and I was like, okay. So I did it. Um, And anyway, I was pursuing it with everything I had. My parents invested all their money into it. Um, It was like everything that I ever cared about. I was obsessed with it as a senior in high school. I was going to college. It was all I was going to do. I was going to move to LA. It was just like the dream to me. Um, And then I was in a youth service like this called Encounter Weekend, and God spoke to me and said, I want you to give that up, even though your parents have invested thousands of dollars, you've given your life to this, and I want you to actually go into ministry. And what's so funny is though a few weeks before, I was talking to my youth pastor at the time, and I said, you know, I'm kind of annoyed because everyone in this youth group says they're called the ministry and I'm just not and literally in that service God told me not saying you have to be called the ministry but I'm saying God told me to surrender something that was so dear to me but 
it was at the end of worship, at the end of this event, and my heart was soft. It was open to what God wanted. And so it wasn't even a question of yes or no. It was a question of when and how quickly can I start. And as soon as God spoke to me, I knew, oh my gosh, my only option is to surrender. So me passing on that baton of entertainment or whatever I wanted, it wasn't even a hard thing to give up because I already knew there was another baton waiting for me when I let go of the first one. So I believe that so many of us, maybe you have some things or some dreams in your life and you're like, there is no way I can ever let go of this baton. This is it. As soon as you release, there's another one waiting. There's another one waiting. There's 10 more, 20 more, 30 more, 40 more waiting. God has more for you when you're willing to release. Amen? Amen. This life with God isn't ours to keep to ourselves because it wasn't ours to start with. We're going to dive into the Bible tonight. Fun. I hope you like reading the Bible. It's really fun. If not, it's okay. I didn't in high school, but you will. Um, We're going to go into Philippians. So Paul is someone in the Bible who, his name used to be Saul. He was killing Christians. He had a total Kanye moment, gave his life to Christ, changed his whole life. And now he's going to all these cities and he's like, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. He's awesome. So this is Paul. Now he's in prison for telling people about Jesus and he's speaking from prison right now. So we are in Philippians 1, 15 to 21. And he says this, He says, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, actually, let me give a little bit more, a little more um, preface. He's talking to a city that is like a modern day LA or let's say like Brickell. So they're very affluent. They have money. They're bougie. They're like really prideful to be Romans. So he's talking from prison to like Brickell. Okay. So... I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I believe God is asking us tonight to die to some things. I believe that when we realize that this race is not for ourselves, like I said, there's people coming behind us who are going to be affected and empowered by what we do. Dying to Christ doesn't even seem like something that would even affect us at all. If anything, we're saying, God, how quickly can I die to you? How quickly can I give up everything? How quickly can I serve you? How quickly can I give you all the money, all the resources, everything I have so that I can live for you? It sounds crazy until you've encountered the presence of God, and then it makes complete sense. We're meant in this race to recruit, resource, and release more runners for the race. Say, it's not about me. It's not about me. I'm meant to build my team. The second thing is I'm not the last choice. I'm called to leave a legacy. I'm not the last choice. Some people in here feel like they are the last choice God would ever, ever, ever want. But that couldn't be further from the truth. We're going to dive into Esther. Esther 4.13. Esther is an amazing woman in the Bible. Um, She is Jewish, and she's living in a time in the Bible where the king wants to kill all the Jews. There's like a Jewish genocide going on, a mass murder. You don't see anything in the Bible about her parents, her siblings. All we know is she has one uncle, and his name is Mordecai. 
it's like a really weird name, but his name is Mordecai, she, his own, her only uncle, and he does life with her. And basically he realizes that Esther could maybe be um, one of the only options to save the Jews. The king basically has this decree and says, you can come and try to like convince me to not kill the Jews. You may die, but it's worth risking. So there's all these people going and meeting with him, trying to convince him to not kill the Jews. So Mordecai, her uncle, talks with her and responds to her about being God's first choice. And this is what he says. He says, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Another translation says, perhaps this is the moment for which you were created. Perhaps, brave youth, this moment right here is the moment you were created for. Perhaps this is the moment you release toxic cycles. Perhaps this is the moment where you stop watching what you know you're watching in secret. Perhaps this is the moment where you stop listening to the music that gives you anxiety and that makes you depressed. Not to clap, because if you clap and you're still going to do it, there's no point in clapping. Perhaps this is the moment where you stop drinking alcohol. Perhaps this is the moment where you say, you know what, God, I'm not going to treat my parents like the worst people I've ever met in my life. I'm going to actually honor them, even though I don't agree with the decisions they make, because I know my future generations are going to be impacted by my honor. Perhaps this is the moment where you break out of the cycles you've been in since middle school, since elementary school, all through high school, the thing that you know, you're like, I am stuck in this. I'm going to deal with this in high school. I'm going to deal with this in college. I'm never going to get free from this. Perhaps this is the moment tonight that you were created for. Tonight we look forward. Tonight we stop looking back at the lies the enemy has told us. Tonight we stop looking back at the lies the world has sold us. Tonight we stop looking back at maybe even some lies our family has sold us because none of us have perfect families, right? And tonight we look forward, man. God is calling us to run the race, to look ahead without looking back, to have a smooth exchange, to pass the baton to the next generation with bravery, with courage, with integrity, with heart. God is calling us to raise the standard. I believe that what we thought was our ceiling is God's floor, and that as we raise the standard in our own life, God meets us there. The third thing is I am the future and there's no time like the present. Don't look back on what you left or you'll miss what's about to be handed to you. The moment you look back, like we saw with China, you're running ahead, you're running ahead, you're running ahead, you're sweating, you're panting, you're out of breath, I'm just gonna run, we're running, we're running, I'm nauseous, I hate running so much, I hate the treadmill, I hate it, we're running. I'm like, you know what, maybe it's okay if I just look back, Really quickly, it's gone. That's it. The moment you look back is the moment you miss the handoff. And usually it's one meter, one foot before the finish line. We're going to go to Judges 2, 6 through 10. More Bibles, say yeah. 
Judges 2, 6 through 10. We're going to be talking about Joshua right now. So Joshua was someone who was like a legend in the Bible. Joshua um, had the walls of Jericho come down. Joshua was there when Moses like crushed the Ten Commandments. Joshua saw the Red Sea part. Joshua saw food fall from heaven for 40 years. Joshua is like insane. So Joshua, basically his He's just seen this amazing revival. They've seen signs. They've seen miracles in the Bible, things that don't even sound real. Joshua saw with his own eyes. And he's seen a whole generation experience this revival. And Joshua dies. And everyone that was a part of the revival that Joshua saw, all the miracles, he literally saw water split in half. Everybody that was a part of that, they pass away. And a new generation comes up, and this is what we read. It's Judges 2, 6 through 10. It says, after Joshua dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. So he even had people outlive him. And they saw all the great things the Lord did for Israel. We're going to skip to verse 9. They buried him in the land of his inheritance. A bunch of words I can't pronounce. Skip to verse 10. After that whole generation, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. The baton was dropped. Joshua's generation saw the Red Sea. They saw red liquid. They saw Red Sea. He saw the Ten Commandments. Joshua was Moses' right-hand person. Joshua was someone that you couldn't even, cooler than the coolest Avenger. You would think that after his life, generations and generations and generations would even precede what he did. The Bible says we go from glory to glory, but someone missed the exchange, and the next generation grew up and they didn't know the Lord or what he had done for Israel. The next generation will take whatever you give them, whether you like it or not. They'll take power, the power of the Holy Spirit, or they'll take poison and they'll pass it to the next generation and then they'll pass it to the next generation. There's always an exchange. We may think, you know what, I'm not going to exchange. I am not going to actually take a baton at all, so I won't even have to exchange because I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want anything to do with God, so I'm never going to have to exchange because I don't have a baton. But actually, we all have a baton. It's what's in our mind. It's what's in our heart. It's our desires. It's our life. It's the life we choose to live, the life we choose to lead. And the truth is, when our time is up, whatever we have is going to be passed on to the next generation, even against our will. So tonight, you choose what legacy am I going to leave? Does it end with me or does it continue for three more generations? Someone I've seen who's shaking up culture right now, which we all know, is Kanye. Um, All joking aside, um, he said a quote that kind of caught my attention. It says, when you remove the fear and love of God, you create the fear and love of everything else. And I believe that Kanye has maybe not mastered, but gotten the art of exchanging what one generation gave him to give his generation something that was never showed to him. Kanye's been saved for six or seven months, and he's already handed off his salvation to the world. Do we have Kanye's influence? No. Do we have influence? Yes. Does everybody know one person in this room? Yeah, we know one person in this room. 
our influence and we're going to be held accountable at the end of time for what we do with the influence we've been given. And there's an exchange whether we like it or not. What I love about Kanye is that he didn't live this holy life. He still kind of curses. He's still trying to figure it out. But he's saying, you know what? I'm not where I used to be, but I'm never turning back to who I was. In interview after interview, he says, I'm never going to do my old music. I'll write new verses on my old beats, but I'm not going to go back to that guy. What if we caught that same spirit of, you know what? I'm not going to go back to where I was. I don't have it figured out. And you don't have to have it figured out. I don't have it figured out. But I do know that I can never go back to the 17-year-old that I was. I know that I'm not going to do that. What if you chose tonight as a 16-year-old or as a 17-year-old, I'm going to take the baton and I'm going to run the race and I'm going to look forward and I'm going to pass it to the next person and I'm not going to look back and then I'm going to pass the next one and I'm not going to look back and we're going to look back generations from now and see our family saved. But you know what we're so quick to do? We're quick to throw away the batons that used to mean so much to us. Maybe it was the baton of purity. You made a commitment to purity. Maybe it was this summer at camp and you said, I'm going to live pure. I'm going to live for God. Man, I'm going to stop living the way I've been living. After a few months, you're like, you know what? It's too hard. He said all the right things. It's not worth it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it up. Maybe it's the baton of evangelism. Maybe you decided and you said, you know what? I'm going to invite more friends to church than I've ever invited before. I'm going to do it. I'm going to run this race. I want to see my friends saved. I want to be better. And you just are like, you know what? It doesn't matter anymore. It's too hard. It's worth giving up my generation for my comfort. Maybe it's the baton of just simply your relationship with God, your prayer life. And you said, you know what? I want to have a better prayer life. I want to live for God. I want to live holy. I want to see my family saved. My dad is an alcoholic. My mom can't find a job, but I'm going to choose to pray and commit to this so that I can see my family change. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I can see the finish line. I can see them cheering. I can see them, but it's a bad day and it's the wrong time and it's worth giving up because I want to be comfortable. So many times we're so quick to give up the batons that meant so much to us because we can't break out of being comfortable. But I believe God is calling us out of that tonight. You're not God's last option. You're his first choice. You're not God's last option. You're his first choice. And there's not anyone else out there. If you're thinking it's okay, I have like that Christian sister, I have a Christian sibling, they'll do it for me. I have a friend at school who's Christian, whatever it is. The truth is, we're it. We're it. God's not waiting for anyone else. We're it. And if he doesn't use us, he's going to use someone else. This generation has missed the mark on living holy, but I believe that we could restore that tonight. I believe we could take up our baton tonight and say, you know what, God, I want to run the race and maybe I'll get tired and my arm may get tired a little bit and may get a little weak, but I'm going to lift it back up. I'm not going to turn. My neck may be tired. I may be sweaty. I may be nauseous. I don't think I can do this, but I'm not going to turn my face. I'm not going to turn my face. I'm going to run forward. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to look forward. I'm going to do it. Are you guys ready to take up your baton tonight? We receive and we pass. We receive and we pass. Receive, 
pass. Receive freedom, give freedom. Receive breakthrough, give breakthrough to someone else. Receive salvation, give salvation to someone else. Receive the Holy Spirit, give the Holy Spirit to someone else. Receive whatever it is, freedom from depression, freedom from anxiety, give it to someone else. We receive and we pass. And a lot of times when we pass, we don't think we'll ever get it back. But actually with each pass, the baton gets bigger and it gets stronger and God can trust you with more. And then before you know it, you're saying, oh my gosh, I'm winning the race. There's 25 people behind me, but I'm about to win. And with each pass, you get stronger and stronger. And with each pass, more people join your team. With each pass, you gain influence. With each pass, you gain strength. We're not the next generation. We're the now generation. I believe there's three types of people in this room tonight. I believe there are people who are called to leadership. You've been in church for a while. You're called to step up in leadership. Maybe student leadership's been offered to you. Maybe whatever it may be. You're just called to step up and lead. You know it. You can't shake it. You could even be a youth leader in this room. You just know I'm called to lead at a greater capacity. And you've gotten comfortable. Fears kept you from passing the baton. I believe there's people here who've received the baton and they've ran the race. You guys have ran the race for a season. You've ran it well. You've ran it for a long time. You've been in church for a while. It's gotten comfortable. You've gotten hurt because no church is perfect and it's getting harder and harder to run the race. I believe tonight God wants to give you a brand new shiny baton as you release what you've been holding on to for so long. You're called to pass it on to receive more. And I believe there's people here who've never been given the opportunity to give your life to Christ. You're new to this. It's a little weird to you. And you're like, man, no one has even ever offered me this. I want to say that giving my life to Christ was the best decision I ever made. I have lived a life that wasn't perfect, but that's been filled with peace and purpose because I've never compromised with my relationship with the Lord. Not perfect, I'm just 25, I'm still figuring it out. But I believe I'm here today as a product of taking the baton and passing it on, even with tears streaming down my face, even in the midst of heartbreak, in the midst of depression, in the midst of family struggle, in the midst of things that didn't make sense. I say, God, I'm gonna pass the baton, I'm gonna pass the baton, I'm gonna keep passing it, and I'm gonna keep getting it, I'm gonna keep passing it, and I'm gonna keep catching it. And I believe tonight that's what God wants for each and every one of you. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. And repeat this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I know I'm not perfect. I'm in need of a savior. I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Help me to live for you. Help me to run the race. Say it one more time. Help me to run the race. Help me to finish strong. Help me when I'm weak. And help me to pass it on. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you like this message, hit subscribe and stay connected by visiting us at brave.guide. We'll see you next time. And remember, no turning back. The best is yet to come.